The content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. It's Wellness Wednesday. Brought to you by Cardio Miracle. For your heart, for your health. Visit them online at CardioMiracle.com. And now, welcome to One Life Radio. All right, everyone. Welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Biaschetti with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Chris Gronkowski is with us today. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Chris Gronkowski, hut hut, dog. Hey. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing good. I couldn't I couldn't help but call, call you dog. I'm watching football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, but it's great to have you with us. For those of you maybe joining us for the first time, uh, Chris Gronkowski is the owner and inventor of the Ice Shaker Vacuum Insulated Bottles that hold ice for over 30 hours. In 2017, Chris and his brother successfully pitched Ice Shaker on Shark Tank, ultimately partnering with Mark Cuban, who helped the brand grow nationally. Before founding Ice Shaker, Chris Gronkowski played in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I love it. And you can find Chris Gronkowski at iceshaker.com or on Instagram at iceshaker. Always great to have him with us. We're talking about supporting your community through sports. So, Chris, you have a big event coming up this weekend. You and your team at Ice Shaker are attempting to break a world record and are asking for the community's help. What record are you trying to break, Chris? Oh, oh yeah. It, it is, it's wild. <laughs> So we're going, it's a ridiculous record, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, we're trying to break the record for the most protein shakes made simultaneously. Uh, so super Love interesting. It. Uh, it's currently being held by a, another company, uh, Herbalife. And, uh, oh, Herbalife. Okay. At least 650 people there uh, to break this record. And um, it's a pretty cool process. Guinness Book's coming out. Uh, they'll bring their moderator, and um, it's a three-step process for every record. So the three steps are uh, you have to dump water in a cup, you have to pour the protein in, and then you have to shake. Uh, so anyone could do it. You don't have to actually drink the protein shake, so anyone could do it. Um, <laughs> but if you don't complete it, you actually have spotters watching. Oh, wow. And they have to sign off on it. And um, if they don't complete it, it doesn't count. And then uh, if 10% or more of people don't complete the task, you automatically fail. So wow. uh, we're bringing the kids out. We're doing five and up. I'm not sure if my five-year-old can actually complete the task. Uh-huh. So it's going to be a, a pretty interesting event. Wow. Does, that, does the recipe have to be correct? Or is it just water, dump in some powder, and shake? So they got to put at least 10 ounces of water in um, okay. as well. So uh, got to twist that lid back on. I mean, it can't be spilling all over the place. So uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. Well, so who came up with this idea? Uh, so we were um, we were a lead sponsor on a cornhole tournament for our local youth football program, and um, just didn't seem like there was enough interest. So um, I thought of the idea to to try to break the record instead, and um, thought we'd make it kind of a big fundraiser as well. And 
uh, raise a bunch of awareness for the community and, and also for the, the youth football program. How did you find out it was even a record? <laughs> That's such. Oh, uh, so I had to search the Guinness Book of World Records, and I just typed in protein. Oh wow! And I, I just checked what came up, and this was uh, <laughs> this was one that I thought we could break. So I uh, figured if we got a decent amount of the, the families out there, we would we'd have a good chance to uh, put us on the map and get us a world record. That is so cool! I want to do it. Can I do it? Anybody? Absolutely. <laughs> To anyone in the Dallas area that's listening, okay. it's actually this Saturday night. Um, the event's from four to seven. What we're doing is we're actually doing a punt, pass, and kick for the kids. So, oh man, that's um, cool. Any kid could come out; they can compete. And what they have to do is kick one ball, throw one ball, and punt one ball. And then you measure the distance um, and the accuracy. So, if it's inaccurate, you take the amount of yards off the line and you subtract it from the distance. So, uh, pretty cool skills challenge. The winners will win prizes. Uh, and there will be a dad's division as well. So if you have a kid, uh, you can enter the dad's division and uh, you can compete in that. So that will be pretty interesting to see and uh, prizes mm-hmm. for that as well. And then at six o'clock, we will be trying to break the world record. Well, you know, I uh, I, I just may show up. I'm supposed to go bring my brother pumpkins in Houston, but I might, I'm not sure if I'm going Saturday or Sunday, but if I'm in town, I'm going to do it. That sounds like so much fun. And you guys, uh, there's, a, there's a small entry fee that gets donated back, right, to the... Um, Correct, yeah. Yeah. And you get an ice shaker. And you get an ice shaker, limited quantities, though. Um, and so that's so cool, and I'm seeing here that... Uh, uh, you get a $35 standard 26-ounce ice shaker and cinnamon toast protein. I think you had something to do with that, Chris. I remember you mentioning how much you like that cinnamon toast protein, <laughs> didn't you, a oh, few months sure. ago? <laughs> it's so good. I mean, the protein shakes these days are, I mean, the flavors, it's like you're drinking a milkshake at this point. But I know, it's yeah, crazy. Have, yeah, $10 of the 20 so it's a $20 entry fee into the world record-breaking attempt. Uh, $10 goes back to the foundation. And then with that $20, you do get uh, an ice shaker, a $35 ice shaker. And then Rise Supplements brought in the Cinnamon Toast Protein, uh, which is their top-selling flavor. And it's like eating like Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal, like Uh the milk that you drink afterwards. Uh, So just just unbelievable (laughs) flavor that they have now. It's so, uh, so funny. Men in their cereals, right? Mm. Men in their cereals, they have have one flavor that's... um, uh, what is it? Fruity Pebbles? Fruity I don't Pebbles, think it's, yeah. is that the same company that has the Fruity Pebbles? Or is uh, that? So Diamantize came in. Ah. The yeah, Cinnamon Toast Crunch? The actual. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you guys getting all excited <laughs> talking about Diamantize. I've actually, well, we, we I actually toured their plant once back about 10 years ago when Sean Wells uh, worked with them. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, they're, they're a Dallas company, so uh-huh. pretty cool, but yeah. They got the official. A lot of a lot of these companies, so Rise doesn't have the official uh, like cinnamon toast crunch flavoring uh-huh. or partnership, but um, Diamantize does have like the actual uh, partnership with Post cereal. Mm. Oh, that's Fruity cool. Pebbles, so mm. pretty cool. They got to come in and make sure that you know it tastes <laughs> how they want it to taste. But yeah, <laughs> love me yeah. some Fruity Pebbles. If you want to get a guy excited, just say Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta know <laughs> where. Where are you, all of y'all gonna be? Because that's a lot of people. <laughs> all yeah, so y'all to be, be making shakes at the same time. Yeah, we rented out the stadium here, so oh. Dragon Stadium here in South Lake. Oh, wow. uh, it holds about eleven thousand people. Uh, it, it's it looks nicer and better than a lot of the college stadiums um, in Buffalo, New York. So, well, eleven thousand people will beat the record. Mm. 
Yeah. 11,000 would be, would be plenty. Um, I don't know <laughs> if we have enough shaker bottles ready. <laughs> get more prepared. Yeah. Well, it but, sounds, uh, we'll have to cap it. It sounds like so much fun. And so, so to get a world record, how does someone get in the Guinness book of world records? I guess they break a record, right? Which is what you're attempting to do. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple different ways to do it. So as an individual, you can do it. I, I believe it's free. You could submit it. I think you have to have a video. Uh, as a corporation, and when you want to do these bigger um, events with with multiple people involved like this, uh, you actually have to have Guinness come out and bring their moderator with them. So mm, mm. the moderator will be here. Uh, you got to you got to pay a decent chunk of money to uh, to get them to come out and also to um, you know moderate the event for you and put you in the Guinness Book. So uh, we had to we had to pay our dues, that's for sure. And and with that, we got to make sure we break this record. So. Everyone listening, uh, Saturday, Saturday night, come on out, 6 p.m. South Lake, yeah. That, that Marie, would be a fun job <laughs> to be a moderator for Guinness, to I, go out and, like, watch people try and break crazy records. Not all the records that are being broken are something you want to see. No, oh. I, know I promise this, you. I, I know I'm, gonna, I'm putting myself out here, and I'm probably going to sound a little ignorant, but how did the Guinness, has it got anything to do with beer, Guinness uh, World Record, like beer drinking? Guinness, Guinness, um, get it? <laughs> I don't think so, but I could be wrong there. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's go for a quick break. When we come back, more coming up with Chris Gronkowski. Uh, he is the owner and inventor of the Ice Shaker Vacuum Insulated Bottles. He's a former NFL player, and I think we're going to talk a little football, of course, when the we answer get back. Is, they used to be the same thing. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, the wow. Guinness Beer Company and the Guinness World Records are no longer officially linked, having been put under the ownership of different entities in 2001. However, mm. same company started I love a the good world Guinness. records. I wow. love Guinness. <laughs> it's one of my favorite beers. All right, everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Chris Gronkowski. You are listening to One Life Radio. If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at oneliferadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, Barricade. For more than a decade and a half, John Hewlett has been on a journey to share the miracle of nitric oxide, bioavailable vitamin D3, and other essential vitamins and nutrients with the world. His focused research and study during those years inspired him to create Cardio Miracle, formulated with over 50 of the finest ingredients, working in synergy to support optimal sustained levels of nitric oxide. Visit CardioMiracle.com to read John's amazing story, and learn about the health benefits of nitric oxide. That's CardioMiracle.com. For your heart, for your health. We've all heard the mantra that vaccines are safe and effective, but is it really true? Turtles All the Way Down, Vaccine Science and Myth is an in-depth review and analysis of the science on vaccine safety. By the time you finish reading, not only will you see the answer clearly for yourself, you will also have the scientific references and quotes at your disposal that prove it. More than 1,200 of them. From mainstream scientific papers and textbooks to official government publications and vaccine manufacturers' documents. Whether you are new to the vaccine debate or a veteran seeking a deeper grasp of the science, Turtles All the Way Down Vaccine Science and Myth is a must-read. Now available on Amazon. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. Welcome 
Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Chris Gronkowski. We're talking about supporting your community through sports. Chris Gronkowski is the owner and inventor of the Ice Shaker vacuum insulated bottles that hold ice for over 30 hours. I carry mine with with me all the time. I love my ice shaker. Um, I was... I was drinking Cardio Miracle a lot of it this morning when I went to go work out at Hatworks. I don't know if you're still working out there, Chris, but yeah, I went in and got a quick, a quick hot. I think I did the hot. What did I do? I did the hot something. Thunder. 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 I did the thunder Mm -hmm. this morning. Yeah, but uh, it's great to have Chris. Hot thunder. That's right. I used to dance under that name in the 90s. I know. It sounds like (laughs) LeVar. Are you, are you for, are you for real? (laughs) Maybe. I thought you looked familiar before I met you on the Ross Martin show. I'm joking, of course. But Chris Gronkowski, before founding Ice Shaker, he played in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys, Indianapolis Colts, and the Denver Broncos. You can find Chris at IceShaker.com or on Instagram at IceShaker. Okay, so Chris, the event that, that, that is a benefit for Dragon Youth Football, why did you choose this group to be part of your event? Yeah, for sure. So my, my kids are a part of the group. Uh, found out that they they fundraised half of the funds uh, needed to play. So uh, instead of charging the parents full price, they'll, they'll go out and do different events to raise money uh, in the community to help pay for the other half to pay for uh, the fields and referees and equipment. So um, now that my kids are a part of it and I'm coaching multiple teams, I wanted to help out and, and try to give back as well. Oh, I love of course that. you are. That's so nice. Of course you are. Yeah, you're such a great guy. You really are. Uh, and, and, and how are your kids? You guys, uh, you got plans for trick-or-treating this year? I was thinking about that oh, earlier we... when I was getting my coffee because you've got, well, you're going to take the baby in the stroller, but you've got the three boys, right? We got the three boys. Yeah, trick-or-treating is going to be fun. They're getting to the age where, uh, you know, it becomes competitive. you got to get more candy than your cousins. <laughs> and you got to do it big, right? You got to come back with get the get the uh, the pillowcase out so that it doesn't break the bag. And, uh-huh. Hey, yeah. go down to the oh, Smith yeah. House. They're giving out full size candy bars. Right. Oh yeah, and back, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, back around. I bought my Halloween candy uh, last night at Costco. I got uh, chocolate and I got sweet because we we're participating for the first time. They put, did a map in our neighborhood in Sunnyvale, so it'll be really fun to participate. I love seeing all the little kids dressed up. Uh, do your kids have their costumes yet, Chris? Uh, I know my wife was talking about it the other day, and they were uh, going back and forth on it, but I don't think it's been finalized yet. Yeah, it's so fun, and what a great time of year. And this is a great time of year to ha- for you to have this event supporting the community through sports. And so how much does it cost on average for a child to join a youth sports league, Chris? Yeah, so I, I know uh, the football program, I believe, was $350 uh, to sign up for, for the season, so... Uh, with that, they then have to raise about $350 per kid uh, mm. to cover the other half of it. So that's how they do it here. Um, so that's for football. Um, baseball, I believe, is a little bit cheaper. I think it's something like like 250 bucks to mm-hmm. sign up for the season. Yeah. Well, look, you have more equipment, uh, more padding and stuff like that, right, with the footballs, uh, football uniforms? Yep, and uh, it sounds like fields are harder to get as well. Uh, so field rentals are, are more expensive is what it mm. sounds like. Where mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where the, the baseball fields are, there's more, I believe. Yeah. 
Well, you know, let's talk about the importance of sports. I, I think it's so, so important, and there's a lot of people, a lot of experts that would agree. It, it, it brings so much to a child's life um, in so many different ways that they carry on through adulthood playing team sports. But why, so I'm going to ask you, why are football programs such as the Dragon Youth Football so beneficial for kids and for our communities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it teaches you how to work as a team, which I think is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because like kids and even my own kids go through the stage, but they go through stages where uh, you know, they have to learn how to win. They have to learn how to lose mm-hmm. as well. Uh, they have to learn how to deal with adversity when they make a bad play. Uh, there's times when my kid who might be uh, a better player on the team drops the ball. And, you know, he, he, the first couple of times it happens, they, they're crying. They don't yeah. want to play. They're, they're throwing you know, their glove or the football and uh, they got to learn how to deal with that and deal mm-hmm. with the stress and the adversity and, and also uh, play together as a team and help their teammates out when they're down as well. So mm-hmm. uh, it's huge. It's huge. Uh, I think it's kind of set you up for everything in life because you know, to be successful, I mean, you could be a one man show. It's very hard. If you really want to go to the, the next level in anything, it usually takes teamwork. So mm-hmm. Uh, learning how to be a great teammate at this age is going to transfer on really for the rest of your life. Yeah. No. So are you for or against the participation trophy? Uh, so we, um, I'm definitely against it. So mm-hmm. uh, the kids, they, we have a trophy case. Uh, there's not many trophies in it currently. So um, <laughs> when we win, it's a big deal. Um, we don't we don't put in trophies in the case that aren't for winning mm-hmm. uh, first place or, uh, or or second place that aren't so, earned. You know, yeah, that's another lesson. Yeah, that's another no, lesson. Sure. Yeah, Everything. things things don't come easy. They don't come easy in life, and life can be tough. And that includes any trophy that's in your case, right? <laughs> I remember playing got softball, some game ball, stuff like that. But the trophies the trophies are hard to get, and now yeah. they give out rings too, which is pretty oh. cool. Um, mm-hmm. So they Sweet. got a second place ring from last season, but uh, we're trying to get that first place ring this season. Yeah. Sweet. It, uh, well, when I when I was young, I played softball, and you really learned to put yourself out there because I mm-hmm. would be terrified to have yep. to go up and at bat. Yeah. That's a big ball they're chunking at it, you. And, <laughs> well, it's just, it's, you know, you don't want to let your teammates down and you want to hit it and your parents are there and yeah it's yeah. a little trauma. Well, you want to get bruised I yeah. know. Well it's humbling too and we all uh-huh. need to be have humility right in order to um, be a good leader you have to learn to be humble. There's so many lessons of team sports. There mm-hmm. really is. I played a lot of baseball when I was a kid. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I didn't really tape I didn't play any team sports. I don't know why um, I I um, <laughs> I, I, I worked a lot in my dad's grocery store in upstate New York, quite quite truthfully, near Buffalo. You know I'm going to find a way to bring Buffalo in here. <laughs> Chris, oh, yeah. did you see the game on Sunday? I, I caught the last, like, two or three minutes of the game, and I was nerved out so bad. I thought, oh, my gosh. It came down to the very last play with two seconds on the clock. But that's when it's best. Oh, it was yeah. so good. That was a good game. Yeah. That was a good game. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, let's talk about this. How can families out there listening find a youth sports uh, group in their neighborhood? Yeah, so there's there's a ton of programs out there. So if you just Google it, um, that's that's the best way to find what's close. Uh, for us, like, also just try different things, too. I mean, mm-hmm. there's different leagues that you might really enjoy, and there's some that you might not. Uh, even if it's the same sport. You know, there's even in football, like, there's different rules for different leagues 
just around here for the youth kids. So um, some of them have kid quarterbacks. Some of them are coach quarterback. Uh, some of them play you know five kids versus four uh, versus six kids on on offense. So um, and defense. So just sometimes uh, certain styles fit a lot better too, and, and certain programs fit better. So uh, yeah, just just really ask around um, mm-hmm. a lot of times at the schools and, and the teachers could kind of help you out as well um, that have been around for a while. So uh, that's kind of how we've done it. And then once you kind of get into one sport and you start making friends and, you know, you realize that this is, is a, uh, you know, a good coach that you want to do more stuff with. It's kind of just then figuring out uh, what other sports he's coaching or what his kids are doing or the other kids on the team are doing. Mm-hmm. Can parents start a neighborhood league if there isn't one in their area? Um, I haven't had to find that out, I guess. Um, I'm sure they could. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, usually there's a, there's some kind of program started, um, for the most part. I don't think I've been somewhere where there hasn't been. Uh, but yeah, there's sometimes there's local groups too. Um, if there isn't an exact sport you're looking for. So, um, like pickleball is a good example. There's, there's local paddle clubs and stuff like that, where, uh, it's not necessarily a league, but it's a great way to organize games uh, that you kind of do on your own at that point. So almost more like pickup games. Yeah. Well, uh, what age do you feel a child should start playing a a team sport, Chris, as a father and as a coach? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will tell you. um, So I have a three-year-old playing right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's tough, but I will tell you, he also has learned a lot Mm -hmm. and has gotten significantly better at the age of three. Um, You know, he knows how to hit it hit a ball. Now he knows how to hold the bat. He knows how to swing it correctly with the right form. Uh, you know, he's not going to be able to catch a ball yet at this point, but he's starting to learn how to, he can throw, uh, you know, with, with the correct form, uh, at this point, he's not going to be able to throw a guy out or anything like that or, or make a play. But I mean, it's significant. Whereas, uh, I do coach eight and seven U as well. And some of these kids are coming out for the first time and they don't know how to hold the bat. They don't know, uh, which way they hit, they don't know which way they throw, and it's which just, way to uh, run. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, which base to run to. They don't understand the game either, which is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. It's actually understanding what's going on and what to do. So, I would say early. I mean, these the kids that when I started my kids early, they've excelled, and um, yeah, they they understand it all now. They're very good players at this point, and uh, you can see a difference. I mean, it's a it's a huge difference between the kids who started when they were three years old versus someone who's starting when they're six, seven years mm-hmm. old. And they are so cute to watch. Oh my gosh. They're, they're so little, cute. They're football like ball uniforms or baseball oh, uniforms. They're and, like watching oh. puppies. They're so cute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. <laughs> Human puppies. Human like puppies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So I in, a in, lot of patience. A lot yeah. Of patience. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's got to be a, an incredible experience for you, especially, you know, I mean, in the NFL. And, I, and I'm looking at this list of different leagues that are available for children in most cities. I didn't realize that there's an NFL flag football league for kids in Dallas. In uh-huh. Dallas. That's- yeah. yeah, there's a there's a lot of leagues. Um, I know Under Armour had a big league as well. Um, that's nationwide. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's three different flag football leagues that my kids could play in. Uh, at, just in just in my town, so uh, there's a lot of options for the mm-hmm. most part. You should be able to find a team um, available in your area. I would, I would be surprised if people couldn't. Yeah. And how does flag football differ from regular football? There are flags around <laughs> your waist. Football. You have to rip I, that off instead of tackling them to the ground and rubbing the faces in the mud. That's a Marie question. 
No, it's a good question. There's also uh, it's all it's all receiving for the most part. So uh, there's no linemen, there's no blocking, there's no uh, there's no hitting or tackling. So yeah. uh, it's more of a skill game. Uh, it's becoming more and more popular. I think mm-hmm. I thought I saw something about the Olympics. Yeah, having it um, at some point here soon. It's becoming oh. that popular. But uh, com- I would I would say I mean it's it's a different sport. Um, I played. I got asked to play flag football a couple of years ago, and um, yeah, you think you can go out there and just like dominate because you played, uh, you know, football for a living. And uh-huh. it's it just, it is a completely different sport. There's yeah. different skills. Uh, it's, it's a completely different strategy um, as well. So uh, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. Yeah. And it's different it as well fun. at the same time. So it, a lot more is. short passes. It's hard to pull a flag. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, if you, if you throw a 10 yard pass, usually you're going to end up getting 20 yards. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's different techniques, faster, quicker, uh, a lot of crossing routes, stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a fun game and it's a great way for kids to really learn hand-eye coordination and again, like teamwork too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a lot harder than it looks. It is. I'm going back in time here. We've got to wrap this up, but, uh, share a quick story with you. So I first started playing flag football when we used to shut down the first pizza Patron at Lake June and Jim Miller back in like the, in the eighties, the late eighties, when we opened the first pizza Patron, which led of course to Wingstop. But, uh, but yeah, I I used to play flag football with all the guys and it was in the parking lot on concrete. So it, it worked. <laughs> so you did play team sports. I did. Yeah, I guess I did. I, yeah, I did. <laughs> In front of the pizza place. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, Chris, always such a pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you for all the incredible work that you do in the community. Uh, and uh, Ice Shaker, I think I'm going to get some for some Christmas presents this year. They make a great gift, everyone. Yes. And go break, help and, break the world record. Yeah, that's right. And if you need a Maybe nitric... A nitric oxide boost. Put some Cardio Miracle in it. <laughs> Where is the event again, Chris? One more time. It's uh, Dragon Stadium in South Lake, 6 p.m. We're going to shake and break. Shake and break. Shake, shake and break, break, baby. Shake, shake and break. break. We'll, all right. Thank you so much, Chris. Take care of yourself. We may see you on Saturday. <laughs> I hope so. I, I, I hope do. I hope you come out. Yeah, Thank I you think so we're much. going to. <laughs> all right. Take care I'll see and you uh, there. yeah, shake and Bye. roll. What is it? Yeah. Shake and what? Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake and bake, baby. Shake and bake. (laughs) All right, everyone. We're going to break. We'll be right back. I encourage you to go to iceshaker.com. Stay tuned. You're listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio, brought to you by Cardio Miracle. In the fight against corruption, together we are stronger. Join me at the Children's Health Defense Second Annual Conference, Rise and Resist in Savannah, Georgia, November 3rd through the 5th, and learn how to confront corruption in big pharma, big government, big tech, big food, and all the regulatory bodies who are influenced by big corporate interests. At Rise and Resist, you'll hear from the most influential health freedom activists in the world, including Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Children's Health Defense Chairman on Leave. Join the fight and remember, people over profits, truth over lies, courage over fear. Go to childrenshealthdefense.org to get your ticket. The Children's Health Defense Second Annual Conference, November 3rd through the 5th in Savannah, Georgia. I'll see you there. 
Centuries before scientists identified the incredible nutritive value of beef liver, our ancestors naturally revered it for the energy and vitality it provides. But most people today find liver's health benefits much more appealing than its flavor. That's why our partner Enviromedica offers a superior New Zealand grass-fed beef liver supplement. All the complex benefits of this ancient powerhouse superfood in modern, easy-to-swallow capsule form. Find out how to rewild yourself for optimum health at Enviromedica.com. That's Enviromedica.com. Wellbeing Journal is a remarkable bi-monthly health publication esteemed by intelligent readers worldwide. It's available in print or digital, single issues or subscription. Its focus is on living a happy, healthy life and preventing or healing illnesses naturally. Preventing or healing cancer, arthritis, cardiovascular conditions, and digestive issues, as well as nutritional solutions for optimal health are regular subjects. Learn more at wellbeingjournal.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at oneliferadio.com. Contagiously positive, One Life Radio is back. All right, everyone. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Marie Early broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We have the honor and pleasure of having Sally K. Norton with us. She is a Master of Public Health, holds a nutrition degree from Cornell University and a master's degree in public health. Her path to becoming a leading expert on dietary oxalate includes a prior career working at major medical schools in medical education and public health research. Her personal healing experience inspired years of research that led to her book, Toxic Superfoods, How Oxalate Overload is Making You Sick and How to Get Better, which was released in 2023 and is available everywhere that fine books are sold. Her website is sallyknorton.com. That's sallyknorton.com or on Instagram at sk. Norton, Facebook, Be Free to Thrive, and on Twitter at Better Low OX for Ox. So, Sally, welcome to One Life Radio. So great to have you with us. Oh, it's so fun to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, and we're both from the same area. We found that out just a minute ago, pre-show. We grew up about 80 miles from one another, so that's pretty fun, uh, in upstate New York. And so, uh, so Sally, uh, your book is fascinating, and you know, I've never seen a book like this before. So what are oxalates? Oxalate is a natural toxin that plants make that's hanging out in foods we trust. Wow. Okay, like what kind of foods do we trust? <laughs> like an apple or broccoli? Uh, apple's or... actually kind of innocent. Apple's okay. relatively innocent and not too full of the oxalates. It's really kind of a small list. It just happens to be that they're very shishi in our heads. It's the cool cats like spinach, chard, oh. beet greens, these dark leafy greens that make up little salad mixes and are in every smoothie you can think of. <laughs> wow. They're bad news. They're bad news, and they're being touted as um, super beneficial in any quantities, and more is always better in veggie land, and it's just not the case. There's also the almonds, cashews, and peanuts. Almonds are everywhere now. You could probably get a donut laced with almonds if you hard enough. Yeah, well, almond milk is so popular. Sweet potatoes, everyone thinks sweet potatoes the greatest thing, and turmeric, and then the Non-gluten grains, grainy things are really called pseudo-grains like buckwheat, quinoa, teff, cassava, cassava chips, bran, chia, 
blackberries, pomegranate, kiwi, these things, just a small list, but popular and trusted. Oh, yeah. Are, and, and I think people get on a roll with certain, with certain things, too, when it becomes popularized, right? And so you eat too much of it. Uh, a balanced diet, uh, you know this, you're a master of public health, is probably always best. But let's talk specifically about oxalates and your book, Toxic Superfoods. Uh, what health conditions are caused by oxalate overload? And why has there been such a, a surge in these illnesses in recent years? What's happening? Well, anything that's inflammation can be triggered by too much oxalate in your body. And pretty much all disease starts and ends with excessive inflammation in the body. And that can reach all kinds of directions in in different people. It's going to show up in different people differently. The classic way to have too much oxalate in your body is the kidney stone. So 12% of us are prone to that problem. The rest of us have like heroic kidneys that bladders that put up with it and can pee out all this oxalate because that's how your body has to get rid of it. It can't detox it or anything. You have to excrete it. And that's the kidney's job. The poor liver doesn't do any help for us with oxalates. It makes oxalate. So the liver can't quote detox it, but the kidneys, some people get the stones. Other people start getting bladder irritation problems. They'll have trouble with sleeping through the night. They have to jump up to pee a couple times a night. They get bladder pain, bladder syndromes, symptoms of urinary tract infections, leaking, you know, so the whole urinary tract can be one area, but a lot of us don't see those problems. You can get other problems with your bones, osteopenia, osteoporosis, with your muscles and joints, with arthritis and fibromyalgia. You can get neurological problems with anxiety and focus and sleep and poor coordination and even dementia. So there's some kind of unpleasant things that can happen if you start getting poisoned. Yeah, my mind is a little blown by all of this, and I'm looking at Marie, and I don't know about Jerry, what you're thinking over there, but, uh, you know, Marie is is super shocked, I can tell by her face. I am. Like, all the foods that you listed at the beginning, are you saying that we shouldn't be eating those foods, like spinach and and almonds? Because that's what I eat, (laughs) thinking it's good for me. Well, if you want to eat a diet that's truly helpful, you wouldn't eat one that can cause osteopenia, arthritis, and um, make you leak on yourself Yeah, <laughs> get up all night long. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, in your books, uh, Toxic Superfoods, you say it's, it's risky to be trendy with our food choices. And so can you give us a few examples of risky food trends? The smoothie trend has been going strong now for 20 years. Oh, yeah. And it's not stopping and that idea that you can stuff everything into a food or a blender and and keep stacking things, you're not just putting spinach in there, you're adding chia seeds and turmeric and almond butter and, you know, it goes on and on. And you can really concentrate these, these things. And in the blender, you're breaking up the cell walls and so on, and you're liberating the oxalic acid and the oxalate crystals that the plants build and making those crystals more abrasive and and inflammatory to your gut lining. It can even wear your teeth down, but with the smoothie, you're skipping the teeth because you're just swallowing it. But you're also liberating oxalic acid, which now in the water fraction, the, the watery environment of a juice or a smoothie, easily goes from your intestines into your bloodstream and then goes straight away, you know, it's already affecting your immune cells that are in your bloodstream, your red blood cells, your vascular system, but right away it's delivered to your liver mm-hmm. and you're flooding your liver with this stuff. <laughs> so that, that watery um, 
version of oxalate is, is particularly bad. So diluted, like in an almond milk, almond milk is everywhere. You can go into any old gas station and buy almond milk now, and people literally give this to children, or they'll make other concoctions for mm-hmm. kids to hide veggies and supposed healthy foods mm-hmm. in foods to make kids eat them when they don't want to. Mm-hmm. People will make these pancakes or they'll make things like brownies made from sweet potatoes and almond butter and cacao. Chocolate's another one I failed to mention. Mm-hmm. That's a triple threat combination and, mm-hmm. and a yummy package. And people are giving this to young children don't have the same capacity to deal with this toxin as adults might. Yeah, no, this is fascinating. It's groundbreaking, really, right? Because uh, it, you know, it shines light on how our modern diets are overloaded with certain things that we perceive as healthy, but perhaps, as you're saying, are not are not a healthy choice. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure quite where to go with this. There's so many places I want to go um, with this conversation. You know what? Uh, Jerry just gave the signal to go to break. So let's go to break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk more about this. Uh, Sally K. Norton is with us today. Stay tuned. We're talking about her book, Oxalates. Uh, it, well, the name of the book is Toxic Superfoods, uh, and it's about oxalates, uh, what they are and what we need to know about them. So stay, stay tuned, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. The ecosystems of the body and the earth are inseparable. Gut health is the foundation of all health. And just as biodiversity is integral to the health of the earth's ecosystems, microbial diversity and balance are key to the health of your gut microbiome. I have been taking Enviromedica probiotics for over six years now, and I encourage you to try them as well. Rewild your gut with spore-based probiotics and wild-harvested prebiotics. Visit Enviromedica.com and check out all of their excellent products. Get reconnected to the earth with Enviromedica. That's Enviromedica.com. Protecting your health can get pretty complicated these days. And if you're like me, you have a counter full of supplements and it can be exhausting. I think most of us like to keep things simple. I know I do. That's one of the things I like about Cardio Miracle. It's a comprehensive heart and health supplement with over 50 ingredients and antioxidants, including organic beets, carrots, coconut, pineapple, and raspberries, combined with the best amino acids, such as L-arginine, L-citrulline, and L-ornithine. These ingredients work together synergistically to promote and sustain the body's natural production of nitric oxide. Our body is amazing, and it's important to remember that it wants to be healthy. By giving it natural and bioavailable nutrients, it can keep all of our different systems in shape, and it will work in the background to achieve a better level of overall health while you go about living your life. So give it what it needs with Cardio Miracle. Find Cardio Miracle at CardioMiracle.com. That's CardioMiracle.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. 
Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Sally K. Norton. She is a master of public health, and we are discussing her book, Toxic Superfoods. Uh, and uh, it's it's a great book. It really is. How oxalate, oxalate, I should say, overload is making you sick and how to get better. So, Sally, what foods are the highest in oxalates? Uh, again, if you could give us a, a, sh- a list of, for people just now joining us, perhaps. Yes. So the worst ones are rhubarb, which I didn't mention earlier. Rhubarb, spinach, chard is worse than spinach. Beet greens and chard are basically the same thing. So those are really off the charts high. And then things like almonds, cashews, peanuts, sweet potatoes, white potatoes, turmeric, bran, buckwheat, teff, chia seeds, hemp seed, kiwi, pomegranate, those are all quite high in oxalate. Yeah. That's crazy. Beets? You put you said beets, right? Which there's a cut. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but beets make blood, don't they? <laughs> Keep your blood pressure down. I'm so confused. Oh my gosh. And then earlier you well, said turmeric so too. to start reading into the background of all of our ideas about vegetables because like yeah. the mighty carrot was supposed to be the the best thing ever. Yeah. Like the symbol of healthy eating or an apple and a carrot. Yeah. Well, the carrot idea, like helping your eyesight and all those ideas we were grown up with, that turned out to be war propaganda from World War II. Really? Wow. But we World have to War have fruits I. and vegetables, right, in order to get a, a wide variety of different, uh, just, yeah, everything. Um, in, in fact, I that thought... That was definitely the assumption when we started testing foods, being capable of figuring out what nutrients were mm-hmm. in foods and what nutrients we needed, which nutrients were requirements. Like a couple hundred years ago, we barely knew about vitamins and proteins and all of that. We really didn't know much about it. And so when we started measuring it right away, just when we could say, oh, you need a certain amount of protein, the initial goal was, well, how do you get that cheaply? Yeah. Not how you get the best sources. And mm-hmm. so right away, we started expecting that plant foods would be the cheaper thing for the for the peons to eat. <laughs> we yeah. would want to emphasize how you get nutrients from those. Mm-hmm. What about, because you're concerned about the general health of the general public, no matter what your affluence yeah. or situation is. Yeah. What about sprouted um, vegetables? Like I buy sprouted broccoli and put it in my smoothies. <laughs> and what about the, the bananas? Little, <laughs> I eat like a lot of bananas. Greens, yeah, the microgreens. Mm-hmm. Are they higher the in oxalates? They've been tested, and they, they're a little surprising because ones that you would expect to be very low aren't as low as you would think. Some that you expect to be a little higher are higher than you think. So there's a lot of the physiology of plants that we're still a little bit ignorant to, and the testing isn't very extensive. Uh-huh. I only believe there's maybe one set of researchers that even looked at the amount of oxalates in the microgreens, and that's another barrier to recognizing this issue is that we have inadequate information about uh-huh. how much is in our foods. Well, what are the what are the best vegetables? Can you give us a rundown of what the best ones are? For I know everybody out there listening is like, tell us what to eat. What kind of vegetables are good for us? You know, because I... Right. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, okay. So in the leafy green department, almost everything but those three major leafy greens are fine. Okay. Arugula, all the lettuces, watercress, turnip tops, mosh, which is this little corn salad thing, radicchio, I mean, you name it. Okay. Most of the leafy greens are not high. It's just that the ones we think are great are the bad ones. Okay. <laughs> so, that, and no. then there's the, the whole cabbage family, 
Uh, produce, which is many things in the produce aisle, are low in oxalate as a general rule. Mm-hmm. Turnips, rutabagas, kohlrabi, broccoli, cauliflower, radishes, it, the list goes on. They're mm-hmm. all in the same cabbage family, and they're pretty darn low in oxalate. Mm-hmm. Um, white rice is low in oxalate. The Basically, when you get rid of the bran, you lower the oxalate. And there's a lot of fruits that are pretty low in oxalate, including apples. And pineapple's not too bad. Papaya's not so bad. Hard for me to remember the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. there's a lot of... There's we a, have that on my website and yeah. in the book. And there's, in the book. Those would be the, the tested foods that we know are low are the safe bet foods. And there's plenty of them. Yeah. And so what about... Um, so how do we know uh, that we are, have oxalate overload in our body? You said something about inflammation. Are there any other symptoms? Yeah, well, interestingly, if you're eating a big enough dose like I used to do, I used to have sweet potatoes a couple of times a day, often oh, yeah. with dinner, sometimes mm-hmm. with a chunk of cooked Swiss chard. So Swiss chard and sweet potatoes in one meal is a pretty hard hit. Wow. And four hours later, after dinner, when I would try to sleep, I would get an attack of hiccups or belching. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) And that was a sign of neurotoxicity where the nerves that were, the vagal nerves and nerves that are innervating the diaphragm were were causing spasms. So muscle spasms anywhere, twitches, eye twitches, twitches in your cheek. Uh, Spasms can look like reflux or problems with constipation and diarrhea. Those can all be signs of nerve damage or nerve, acute nerve poisoning that causes this excitability. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I had I didn't know I had was an inability to stay asleep. I was so tired, I didn't know my brain was waking up 29 times an hour. So if you have any form of insomnia, you have a sort of hyper-excited brain. That's what the toxicity does, uh-huh. causes the nerves to be on, and that can interrupt your sleep wow. in different ways. Um, you can't settle down. That creates anxiety. If you have chronic anxiety, depression, mood problems, trouble with memory, those can be signs of the nerve damage. Wow. So that's one example of symptoms. But the symptoms can be fatigue. Uh, they can be arthritis. They can be aches and pains, muscle knots, and, of course, urinary tract issues like we talked about earlier where you're running to the bathroom too much or you have cloudy urine. That could be a lot of crystals of oxalate. Forming in your urine and it looks kind of milky, uh-huh. or cloudy. Yeah. What about um, I, I, something just popped into my head? It's a place that I eat um, at often when I do get to go food. Not not often, but when I do get food to go, there's a place here in town. I won't mention it by name, um, uh, but uh, on the side they offer kale and sweet potatoes. What about kale? Kale, yeah, or kale, no. <laughs> Kale's okay in a normal (laughs) portion. If you do a lot of kale chips, you could concentrate it. It's a little bit higher than cabbage and other Uh cabbage family vegetables. But it's fine. It's it's often said in the same sentence as if it's the twin sister of spinach, Mm -hmm. spinach and kale, kale and spinach. (laughs) But they're quite different from an oxalate standpoint. Yeah. Um, Are there any, uh, what about potatoes? I love potatoes. Yeah, the big baking potatoes that we use to make, you know, baked potatoes, uh-huh. French fries, chips, yeah, tater tots, they're pretty high in oxalate and it adds ah, up pretty fast. Damn it, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I love but you my can potatoes. Use the little ones. The little new <laughs> potatoes are a lot lower. Okay. So a cup of new potatoes 
is okay, mm-hmm. but you don't generally get those when you're going out to eat. Yeah. Marie, you look like you want to ask something. <laughs> We've what got can about I a eat? minute. <laughs> Because I've been making smoothies. I've been making. It seems like they're so important to us that we can't live without them. But it turns out there's a ton of other foods you've been neglecting, Uh ignoring, and not appreciating. Can you can you get a good indication of of, of foods that maybe you're uh, overeating through like a food allergy test? I did that once a few years ago, and almonds were on my list of uh, sensitivities. And I eat, I've always eaten a lot of nuts because I don't eat meat. So I eat a lot of seeds. Um, once in a while, I'll have a piece of fish. I'm kind of like a pescatarian. I told you that during the break. And uh, what about the pescatarian diet? How does that perform uh, for uh, an oxalate-free diet? Well, it's one oxalate? of those diets that I made an example of in the book where yeah. you could take it either way. You can... Any, yeah. In any kind of diet, whether it's vegetarian, whole foods, okay. eating, paleo, pescatarian, you can take it in any direction because these plant foods are ubiquitous and you can yeah. accidentally not like them or yeah. you can accidentally overdo them. Mm-hmm. Nobody has any awareness yeah. of it. So you don't ever think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sally, but, uh, uh, I, I have I to... definitely think fish is a great thing to have in the diet okay. if you get low well, fish. I have to interrupt you apologetically. I'm so sorry because the music's been playing for a few seconds and I don't want you to get cut off, but you'll have to come back. This has been an interesting conversation. I will read the whole book. I'm not, I have not completed it yet, but thank you so much. Sally K. Norton, everyone, you get one body, you get one mind, and you get one life, and you get... One diet, I guess, or something. (laughs) Have a good day.